Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Good day, and thank you for being a part of this study. This is Brother William Kantz, and I am bringing to you today a lesson of Paul preaches at Antioch from Acts 13, verses 13 through 41. That's Acts 13, verses 31 through 41. It's good to be with you, and it's good to have an opportunity to study another portion of God's holy and divine word. Uh, friends, next Lord's Day, we will be again studying Paul in Acts, and the citation will be Acts 14, verses 8 through 20. Again, next Lord's Day, our study will include Acts 14, verses 8 through 20, signs and wonders. I want to uh, give you my email address. I've gotten some feedback, um, and I would uh, invite any to email me at bill.cants, K-A-N-T-Z, at gmail.com. That's bill, B-I-L-L, dot cants, K-A-N-T-Z, at gmail.com. Comments, questions are uh, encouraged, and I will most assuredly uh, communicate back with you. This week's lesson, again from Acts 13, I will be reading from the New King James, verses 13 through 41. And the text reads, Now when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. Now, for a time of forty years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. After that, he gave them judges for about four hundred and fifty years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they asked for a king, so God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as a king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. 
From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. After John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not he. But behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Now when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him up from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. And we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus. As it is also written in the second psalm, You are my son today, I have begotten you. And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers, and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. Therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. Verse 39. And by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to, do, to you. Blessed be the readers and doers of God's holy word. So Gentile Christianity first flourished in Antioch in what is present-day Syria. Acts 11, verse 19, New King James, who were scattered after the persecution that arose after Stephen. So many of those who believed had been scattered from Jerusalem, many settling in Antioch of Syria. In Acts 11, 25, and 26. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. 
However, Paul's first sermon recorded in the Bible takes place in another Antioch, this one in Asia Minor, or present-day Turkey. A ruler over a large portion of the territory conquered by Alexander the Great, 300 B.C., uh, went by the name of Antiochus, and he founded a number of cities and named them after himself. So we have Paul venturing to this Antioch in Asia Minor, and in today's lesson from Acts 13, Luke records the change of Saul to being called Paul, his name and his responsibilities change. Note Acts 13 and 13. Now when Paul and his party set sail. This is the point when Paul is uh, assuming the place of leadership of the church from Peter. Uh, Paul's messaging of truth to Gentiles begins here. Paul takes the call to the Roman world as he had been charged to do to the Gentiles. So in verse 14, the text notes, they came to Antioch. Now, many years had passed between Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus, his spiritual maturation in Antioch of Syria, and his sermon that we're studying today at Antioch in Pisidia. Uh, this particular Antioch had a large Jewish population and the status of being a Roman colony. It was resplendent with fortified walls, a theater, large streets, a temple to the Anatolian god, and a large flat platform related to emperor worship. It also had a synagogue and was Paul's methodology. Uh, Paul went into the synagogue with his message of Jesus Christ. Verse 14. Went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Now, after the reading of the Law of the Prophets, which is the Jewish tradition to do, there was an invitation given, as noted in verse 14, for any word of encouragement. Verse 16. Then Paul stood up. Uh, noted that he reaches out his hand to, to silent for silence and a, a sense of authority. And the model that he used for his, for his word of encouragement was based on the practices of the time from Deuteronomy 6 and included communicating uh, the Lord's statutes and judgments and also cautioning against disobedience. Uh, Paul subsequently then presents us with a model for ministry. He preaches Jesus Christ, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection 
of our Lord and Savior. Paul preached the holiness of Christ. He modeled what he later wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Paul's sermon is one that reflects the history of Israel and the prophetic foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. And the heart of the matter, the message of redemption. Now, this is noted in Romans 10 and 17, this message of redemption. So then, or consequently, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. The message that Paul is delivering is a clarion call. The simplicity of it is universal and breathtaking. God cares. God cares about you. God cares about me. 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. And in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Let the word of God, the word of Christ, dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So back to the particulars of Paul's message in Acts 13 and verse 16. Paul goes on to explain how God chose your fathers, he says. This covenant that God had established with Jacob is inclusive of all who revere God. Verse 18, God was and continues to be long-suffering. God is a high arm of almighty power who demonstrates extraordinary restraint. Thank God that he does. Extraordinary restraint with the children of Israel and with us. But in verses 19, that's Acts 13, 19 and 20, Paul goes on to describe how God destroyed the enemies of the Israelites. He gave them judges. Verse 21 and 22, God gave you Saul and David, as described David, a man after my own heart. Paul had summarized Jewish history as had Stephen in a previous sermon. He contextualized the promise that was prophesied of a Messiah and that he, 
Jesus Christ had actually come according to that promise. Verse 23. There's a link here, linkage demonstrated to David. Looking at Matthew 1, verse 20. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And verse 24 and 25, Acts 13, 24 and 25. One is coming. We note that in Luke 3, verses 3 and 4, and he, this would be John the Baptist, went into all the region around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And in verse 26, Acts 13, talking about the message of salvation that had been delivered. Psalm 66 and 16. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what has been done for my soul. Verses 27 and 28, Acts 13. So in ignorance, Jesus was executed. This is a result of Systemic violence and institutional corruption, a topic we're struggling, uh, struggling with today and one that I have written a lesson that I uh, will be bringing to you at some point, hopefully. Verse 29 and 30, he was removed from the tree, placed in a tomb. However, the grave could not hold him. He was raised up to sit at the right hand of God the Father. So verses 31 through 37 in Acts 13, emphasizing this good news, this redemptive spirit, this message of salvation that Jesus Christ brings to all mankind. Psalm 16, 9 through 11. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. Psalm 2, 7 and 8. I will declare the Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your possession. Verse 38 in Acts. In this man, this Son of God, is forgiveness. Let it be clearly known. Isaiah 55, 6 through 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. 
and in Romans 5, 8, and 9. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And Paul in Acts 13 and 39, in this man is found perfect liberty. Hebrews 10 and 14 says it this way, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And finally, verses 40 and 41, a warning is issued. Paul says, beware you despisers. Uh, Habakkuk, chapter one, verse five. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astonished, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told to you. So Paul has the good news. He preaches the truth in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The truth is that God, the creator of all, knows us and loves us. Genesis 1 and 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God loves us apart from our capacity to receive it, apart from our capacity to accept it. He wants us to accept it. He's there for us, and he speaks to us through his sacrificial offering of his son. The glory of God is found in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through faith as children of God, we have the opportunity, the certainty through Jesus Christ to know the love of God, our Father. Praise be to God. That's today's lesson. Again, I want to thank you for listening. I want to remind you that you are invited to email me with comments or questions at bill.cantsgmail.com and I will respond. Uh, let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, thank you for your love, a love that transcends our particular time and place. Thank you for the unwarranted sacrifice of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We come with head, heads bowed and, and humble hearts of mind, thanking you for allowing us to gather in this way today, thanking you for the leadership that makes it possible. Thank you for each soul here and the extended families that are represented here. We pray for understanding and love to abound. And thank you for the church that Jesus Christ established among us. And we pray that we all cleave closely to the word and bring souls to Christ as a result. In Jesus Christ's name, we offer up this prayer. Amen. Again, thanks for being with us. And take care of yourselves and others around you. 
And may the grace of Jesus Christ continue to abound in all of us. Goodbye for now.